Welcome to the Crash Course Podcast. Another week, another podcast. Uh, movie focused this week. I actually went to see The Wolverine yesterday morning with Nate and Gary of Average Intelligence. How did you? Yeah, I'm going to be featured on their podcast on Wednesday. Uh, I don't know when it'll actually go up, but we're recording on Wednesday to discuss, in spoiler glory, the new movie, which was okay. I enjoyed it. It was fun. If you like Wolverine, go see it. It's better than the god-awful orange, uh, Oranges. Origins movie. But, uh... You know, you know what I found out? What? That he that he admitted to, yes, having sex with his wife in the costume. Really? And my first thought was, was he wearing the claws? <laughs> I feel like most of these actors had to at least try that once. I'm sorry, if you looked like Wolverine and you were that built, you wouldn't do that? Come of course. On now, yeah. they're, they're, <laughs> it's just like... Whether you're Wolverine or any other superhero right. superhero films, yeah, sure. You know Robbie Downey Jr. Robert... Not Robbie... Robert Downey Jr. has taken the Iron Man costume home. He is Iron Man. Pretty much if the science part existed now, he'd be Iron Man. Because he has everything else down. <laughs> like, he's that character. A jerk with tools. <laughs> a jerk with tools who is smarmy and sarcastic. So here's another question. Does Bill Nye keep the bow tie on? What? During sex. Oh, probably. That's what I'm insinuating. Sorry, the transition was a little awkward. Speaking of awkward transitions... Um, <laughs> can you use that as our segue? Yeah, it's an excellent know. segue. I got, I got right, it. It is an appropriate segue. When so. opportunity knocks at your door. Um, but yeah, so so I saw The Wolverine. And the music was okay. The movie was pretty good. If, you, if you're a Wolverine fan and you hated the last couple X-Men movies, you'll like this one. They did more with it. But for the general movie fans who aren't te- typically into comic book movies... You could see any other action movie, probably enjoy it as much. That wasn't a transition at all. He just actually revisited. Well, I went back to what I was talking about. That was not what I expected. Yeah, that's that's a terrible transition. I thought we were just diving right in. Oh, to that thing that we're doing today. Yeah, the thing that the ocean, the ocean, ocean edge, which is your choice, I believe. Yes, this is my pick this week. Um, After thoroughly enjoying the movie uh, Pacific Rim and also enjoying the soundtrack within I decided that we would review the soundtrack as my pick for this week so I had chosen Pacific Rim the official soundtrack by Steve because I can't pronounce his name Ramin Jawadi yeah as best we can guess if we're wrong <laughs> and it features Tom Morello and a vocalist whose name I've already forgotten oh uh, Priscilla on there's vocals in that in that soundtrack. In, in make on Mako's track, it, the singing, the woman singing on Ma- on the Mako oh, track. Oh yes, that's right. That was a featured artist. And as it, well. it it also featured those Gregorian Russian chanters. Oh, of they course. didn't get credit credit though. Nobody no. cares about them. The Gregorian Russian chanters. I think they're old uh, diehard Soviets. I'm still pretty sure. <laughs> Actually, about that. it's probably just stock chanting they took from the web. Probably at this <laughs> we're point. getting ahead of ourselves here. Anyway, so yeah, so Pacific Rim is our album of this week. Oh, uh, there but... will be spoilers if you have not seen the movie because I'm we're gonna have to talk about it. Yeah, we're gonna talk. So about... too bad. When we do soundtracks, we tend to look at it from both angles because you have to look at the way the music stands alone as well as the way the music works within the films. Which we always we... watch the film and then listen to it. Video solo. games as well. We did it with Halo and we did it with Record Ralph. Right. So so far, this but... is only our third. 
soundtrack in. But yes. but you do have to remember, the movie is about giant robots and giant monsters fighting. So if we actually spoil anything for you, you didn't listen to what I just said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about the plot in fairly big detail, so it would get a little nerdy the about thought? this. So. Yeah, there's not well, a lot of plot. There's a little bit. All right, I, I, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to call you out and just say that this is the most ridiculous soundtrack that you I you could have possibly picked at this point. Okay. Okay. Well, I had to say it. That's fine. All right. It, it, it I, is your choice. I mean, as far as themes want. go within the podcast, it is kind of a schizophrenic mishmash, but I still like it and think it fits for the movie. It, well, it's a bizarre choice because of the fact that as per what John said, I feel like you know what you're getting when you walk into this film. You walk in expecting robots to beat the living crap out of monsters, giants, super monsters. You're not really looking for, like, art, necessarily. I don't think anyone goes into this expecting that they're going to get, like, a fine aperitif. They didn't even yeah, put... but I'm not listen- I don't enjoy the soundtrack because it's artistic either. They didn't even put flames on the side of the giant robot. There was no art. Yeah. <laughs> I, w- I, I will admit that, yes, there were soundtracks in the past that I've mentioned I've wanted to do and never got around to, like The Hobbit and some others, that probably would have been more artsy and fanciful. But Well, I'm pretty sure the two of you started fighting about this, and I'm not going to say who probably started uh, fighting about it, Steve. But, you know, <laughs> it was an inevitable thing. Inevitable. It was going to happen once you two started discussing it. Because you two like to butt heads. Actually, the two of you butt heads more than me and Steve do. So I thought it was fair turn that me and Steve no, disagreed. No, that's not fair. Me and Steve—it's been a while. It's really yeah, been we, a long we, time. We've been since, in agreement on John stuff for have... so long. It's getting no. Me and obnoxious. Steve agree on 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 things. We just agree in completely different ways. That's right. Yeah. And f- fifty-four weeks of doing this, I've started to realize I think y- you're the most stubborn one, Matt. That eh, could be true. Anyway, talking about stubborn things that just won't change. Anyway, their mind. Pacific Rim. Yeah, let's get back uh, on track here. So the, the score. <laughs> that was more epic than the entire soundtrack, wasn't it? The way you said that? Yes. <laughs> the mannerisms behind it. Alright. The impression. <laughs> let's dive in. Anyway, um, we'll, we, as always, we'll do a track by track breakdown, but with the more instrumental stuff, things tend to blend together, so we may jump well, quicker that's actually, from track I, to track. I, I'm gonna use that as a as a as a opening line here because it's, it's kind of ironic. I want to preface this by saying that I love orchestral music. I love orchestral music solo as well as working with film alone. It's just, it, it's very ironic that this followed an ambient album, which I went into blind. Even though it was my pick, I went into blind, and I expected that we were going to be a bit more abstract with our discussion of an ambient uh, album, just for the fact that ambient music is very slow droning there's not much movement material in a lot of ambient track and yet we got the exact opposite well yeah that album wasn't very droning we got lots yeah no we got a little bit a dose of techno which moved it moved away from it but we got a lot of thematic material yes and yet here we are with an orchestral soundtrack with still a dose of techno a dose of uh rock and whatnot that kind of seems like it's funny the more and i'm sorry to interrupt but the more that we talk that talk about music in general 
John's theory that techno is the future seems more realistic because it, it really is everywhere now. I didn't want to say it. I was thinking. Yeah, but I don't think thing. I don't. And not 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 always for the better, in my opinion. No, no, I'm not. But I'm still saying the direction of techno becoming a forefront is realistic to see because a lot of music is being influenced by it, especially modern the music. Synth is the new instrument. Yet it's not new. The instrument. It's pretty old at this point. Well, but the, it's, it's infinitely. It's infinitely. Adaptable? Adapt- uh, Malleable. Modifiable. Malleable is probably the most appropriate word. Yes. Anyway, back to this album. So track one is appropriately titled Pacific Rim. It's pretty much the, more or less, the overture of the record. I mean, if it were to serve any purpose, it would be an overture. It is the opening It is an overture style. just because it, it has... A number of themes in it. It runs through a number of themes, although, and this goes back to completing my point from earlier. Sorry. Orchestral music usually has a lot of different themes that it covers, especially if you're talking about a, a score that lasts for about 45 minutes to an hour. Right. But in this particular case, I felt like many of these themes ran together, and it was almost more ubiquitous than what you'd expect from an ambient album, which we did not get from last week's ambient album okay. so hence the irony <laughs> right point completed <laughs> uh, this song had some interesting spurts of rock electronic fusion oh i and brought in horns and violins and this is where things started falling apart I, this is the one that featured tom morello and it's I, the first I track on the record he's the, he's the, he's the uh, guitar player correct I, I must presume not knowing the details but just because of the fact that uh, there's a couple of other tracks with Tom Morello, and the opening theme is pretty much a how do you want to describe it? It's a, it's a it's a distorted guitar, a little, a little yeah, bit yeah. distorted. He he's he he he's a guitar modifier. When his work with Rage and his solo work, he modifies his guitars to get special oh, yeah, effects. Oh yeah, yeah, And so yes, it, it's definitely a modified guitar sound. But it's nothing distorted. like you haven't heard before. I mean, this... oh, his guitar style work in this is very ubiquitous with his other work. It's very much his style. So I expected to hear that kind of sound I've heard before with his guitar work because it's very reminiscent of his work with Rage. The, the style in which he played his guitar in the soundtrack. Back yeah. to my point. <laughs> we're all that interrupting today. Yeah, we're going to be really interruptive. We the got a lot violin, of points to make. The big thing I found to be the problem in this uh, song, two big things. One was the violins felt very out of place. Uh, they gave the They gave the track a, a bloated feel. Too much was trying to be accomplished at the same time. And they were just playing so synonymously throughout with the guitar, with the drums, that it just became a lot of noise at the same exact key in the same exact moment. My mother big, my other big issue is uh, the ubiquitous Leviathan tone. Oh, this is gonna we're gonna be getting so old with the word ubiquitous today. Aren't yeah, we? it is. But that's a real way to describe this tone. If anybody has ever seen a movie, a video game, a TV show, a soundtrack, anything where there's a giant monster, they know the horn noise. But make sure we're using the right word, because in this particular case, I think you want to use the word quintessential. Okay, the quintessential Leviathan tone. Yes. This is, it was first really brought to the forefront of main soundtracks and scores uh, years and years ago. It was more recently used in the Mass Effect trilogy as the tone created by the giant robot monsters, the Reapers. 
These are galaxy-spanning giants that go to worlds and destroy them. Because of that, it's been used ad nauseum in a ton of other places to represent a deep, vibrating evil. And yeah, it does portray that. I just don't want to hear it anymore. Well, this is the thing. You said a deep, vibrating evil, and yet in this particular track, it, it's not its not so ominous that I think of... Oh, let's think of some other reasons. That I think of horror films, for instance, or that I think of um, horror sci-fi films. I'm not thinking alien in this. I'm not even thinking aliens in this, even though aliens had a slightly lighter-hearted lighter tone to it than Different the first film. Different director also, though. Yeah, that's why. but this is, is, isn't even close to that. This, well, this is a light-hearted summer blockbuster. And it wasn't so, supposed to represent horror. And portraying, the portraying evil, really, you know... The sound, the sound is used in this track... Yeah, impersonal, that's it. The sound, the sound in this track is used to emulate the kaiju. These giant, larger-than-life monsters that have dated back long before this movie ever existed. Obviously, you know, kaiju have been... And the word kaiju comes from the Japanese Godzilla movies and of its ilk. And it's to represent that massive, larger-than-life feel. And yes, in this soundtrack, it does get a little repetitive towards the end, but using that sound over and over again. But that it's re representing something that's being hammered home throughout the whole movie of these monsters that won't stop coming. So the fact that it's constantly coming up, within the framework of the contents it's created... I mean, honestly, it's a chicken-to-the-egg thing also for me. Was the soundtrack created and then the movie made, or was the soundtrack made after the movie was filmed? Or were they concurrent and separate? Right. The key was, were they related or separate? And I'm pretty confident well, right, that you know, it was that, that's composed a, that's a good, for the that's movie. That's a good opportunity to talk about uh, track order here. The fact that the track order is so askew that we were able to identify several instances here where we know that a particular track occurred before a track that came earlier than it. So yeah. it's kind of strange here that we're getting the experience of the soundtrack in a way that's not really consistent with the film. Um, Unless we're completely <laughs> way off base and just don't remember it well enough. <coughs> You'd be honest, if that's the case, that, that I think that would speak more to, to uh, mine and John's point, but the odd, there's something so unmemorable here that if you're not able to equate it with a particular scene, well, that, that fa that's a failure in a way. I guess. I mean, I don't know. I'm pretty confident. I remember the scenes that they're from. I mean, the titles I remember a help. few. I remember a few. I mean, it wasn't what? that long ago that we saw the movie. No, it was a week ago. Yeah. Um, in fact, we'll probably trust John. He saw it yesterday. 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 Yes. Um, but Late this this night. song was essentially supposed to represent the theme of the movie. The theme of it's the the theme. Of the rock the electric combination represents both humanity and the giant mechas. The horns and violins represents the fear associated with. The Leviathans. Actually, the violins represent the franticness of the entire aesthetic. That's, no, I would actually attribute that more to the beat of the drums. If you look at the violins, it tends to be kind of percussive. There's not, a, there's not a, like a sweeping nature to these violins. No. It, does, it doesn't have that John the, Williams-esque effect No, they're to very it. fast. It's very... You know, it's very, it's almost you could march to these violins. It's, it's kind of sterile, to be honest. I think this, the violins didn't take the forefront, but it was a nice compliment to the rest of the song. I don't feel that it made it bloated. I liked the mix of the drums, the violin, and the guitar. I thought they complemented each other nicely. Right. It gave that kind of military, sci-fi, war, <coughs> conflicted themes feel. Well, if you like military, sci-fi, conf conflict, you'll like this album. 
The next is Gypsy Danger. This is the theme of the main Jaeger, the main mech, um, driven by the lead character played by Charlie Hunnam. Um, this theme actually does do an uh, appropriate job of setting up the hero forging, the creation of who the good guy is. I, I, the I, I the was... main actor. Yeah. I, and I, also I the this, intro worked in this particular track. And I thought that but. this track also, because this track I believe is the one playing when when his brother dies. Right? You no. think? No, I'm fairly certain no. If I'm not mistaken, this is the one when we were reintroduced to it later in the movie. I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think I think it is. We might as well have just shuffled these around and put them in the correct order that they we think did. they should have gone in. Well, anyway, the, but this track, I think, gave that kind of feel that Gypsy Danger was supposed to represent this birth of hope for the Yankees. No, I was wrong. This is the one where they first introduced the brothers fighting together in Gypsy Danger. Yeah. Not his death, but the actual Oh, it's just fight. when they're fighting. Yes. Oh, this is okay. going to be a fail session. <laughs> in any case, this track, it, it, I, I found it... It's heroic, it, but generic. This introduced one thing to me. I, I noticed that the intro in this track was um, alluring to some degree. Like, all right, I almost felt the theme there. I feel the 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 overbearing monsters and all that. And there were several other tracks in this soundtrack that I felt the intro also did a sufficient enough job at making me think, okay, that's alluring. I'm interested to see where they'll go with this. Then they pick a theme and they stick with it for the remainder of the track. And it really doesn't move through too many sections. Maybe they'll, you know... Uh, bring in an instrument or cut out an instrument, this, that, the other thing. But other than that, this track got very repetitive to me very quick. Um, more so than Pacific Rim, because at least then we were introduced to a variety of themes. But here, uh, I particularly disliked the ending. I thought that it had very aimless closing material to it. I mean, I'll agree with the ending being kind of meandering and not wrapping up neatly. Um, one thing that I will say from the get that this album was very weak with even though I like the soundtrack, is that the transitions within songs and between songs were very weak. Yeah, and that's... Pretty much throughout the whole album. It's primarily the endings tend to taper off quickly and uninspiringly. It's supposed to be something big, like next track, Canceling the Apocalypse. It's supposed to be a rousing speech, something that, yes, to quote Independence Day, we're not going quietly into the night. Which I believe is a quote for something else, um, and yet it, it it didn't do that. Yeah, no, I I agree with that, but just because we're moving on here onto canceling the apocalypse, I don't feel that speech here. I don't feel that speech at all because this track, for the most part, had that uh, solo electric guitar, which I actually did like. I really rather liked that. It had a the s- only thing is that I don't see that with this title, the canceling the apocalypse. Which was the big speech that the uh, the general gave? The no, but this song was soft and endearing, and I thought it was exactly that track. I thought that it fit that scene perfectly, and I think, and also, that scene was it's the war-hardened general who knows he's gonna die, giving the last speech he'll ever give. So the the guitar mixed with the soft tones, I think, was a perfect framework for that speech and that scene. And it started with a, sw- a bittersweet, depressing nature, and rose. To a higher level, uh, it it attempted to really hit a a high dramatic epicness, failed on that. I disagree. I think, and I I I do agree. I think it um it seemed too epic too soon. Are we talking in the order of the the tracks? No, No, I'm talking about that track specifically. 
it, it, it seemed it seemed a little bit too early in this uh, in the soundtrack to sort of bring in that epic quality. Okay, but again, okay, so canceling or- the apocalypse. Okay, so in order of soundtrack, I could agree, but it, within the song itself, I think it was perfectly framed within the movie. We may have to omit track order completely in this. Uh, we can't even. We, we can't not, even we can't rate comment. off of it. Yeah, yeah. we can't comment yeah. on yeah. actual track I, order. I have no idea why it's in this but order at all. No, in I this in this case, I did. I felt like it culminated too quickly. It didn't build it up. I, it was like dude, I thought it was just the right. It line. started. It, it was that sweet, starting to rise, starting to get up there, but then took a big leap, that really did not flow. I agree. Depressing, mediocre, epic. I disagree only because the speech in the movie was very... Like, it was a sad scene, the realization, big speech, and off in the Jaegers. Like, the speech wasn't long-winded. It was a very short, to-the-point speech. And I think the quick jump in epicness reflects the way the speech flowed. I think it's an appropriate track for an appropriate scene. Okay. If we're going to be using appropriate... I think I want to oh. get into some serious okay, stuff. Okay, appropriate's here. the wrong word. I thought it fit the scene very well. It's very proper. No, oh. I'm, not going there. <laughs> I'm not going there. <laughs> yeah, it's no. not quite to that extent. But to be honest, I wanted to skip that scene because I've seen it a thousand times in previews. I, uh, it wasn't a long-winded speech. You're correct. It couldn't. It didn't have to start so depressing. Now if this, they were going to is, reach that height, that's my no, main. No, but gripe. that's impossible because the way the scene starts is with Mako finding out her father. Her father figure is going to die. Of course, it's going to be that depressing. That's the scene. It didn't come off depressing. It came off as inevitable. I disagree. I didn't did not feel emotional I, depression. I agree with inevitable. There's a great deal about this film that was predictable. Oh, predictability, yes. But predictability uh, ties into inevitability. I guess, but it still didn't feel that made it any less depressing, even if you could predict it. Just because you predict emotion doesn't mean it hurts less. He, okay, spoiler, he was dying in the film. He was going to die. Obviously. Was it revealed? Oh, he's got like <laughs> stage 30 terminal cancer. Something from the <laughs> he's radiation. Dead. He's going to sacrifice himself heroically. That's yeah. how somebody who has cancer dies in action movies. Yeah, they, they don't they don't die in hospital beds. So you knew you knew it was coming, and because of that, it devalued the emotions that they were trying to set with this track. Which, and then they and then they kind of they they, they it's 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 right here in the track. They tried to propel propel from depressing, which I don't really think they they achieved well enough, into inspiring too quickly. Speed, tempo. In these songs, tempo is a problem. Pacing is in a In other real songs, problem. yes. How, in how this exactly, song, I disagree. How exactly do you mean that tempo was a problem? Um, the pacing of of the changes. Oh, the actual... Okay, the uh, the transition tempo. Not necessarily just transition. Just just the way this, the song propagates itself. I disagree. I think the tr- transitions are a problem. Throughout most of the record, but the tempo for the way they're trying to express emotions in these specifically, typically predictable heroic scenes, I thought the tempo fit those, those predictable scenes well. Well, it's important to mention uh, at this point that, of course, this is not a fluid score like the kind of thing that you would get in in older mo- movies. Uh, certainly, nineteen fifties movies, you would write one solid score this that would not- blend into each other for two hours. You don't get that here, so I admit that there's a smaller framework to work with. 
They write very concise tracks that will taper off. Like that, that's it. We don't know the exact the exact uh, order in which this went. You know, like you said, chicken or the egg. Right. We don't know whether this, whether these tracks, and many of them are very short. Many of them are only two minutes. It makes me think that because they're so short, it must have been an answer to the film, well, this to the is scene. The, yeah, this is not like The Hobbit, which was one score <coughs> written and then broken up over the course of the movie and was written after the movie was made. Yeah. It's not that. This is... It, or it's not like this one large piece that was cut up. This is clearly almost a rock and roll version of a soundtrack where they're writing specific shorter songs for specific moments in the movie. But yet it doesn't have that... It doesn't have that... Um, that tied-in nature to it, the fact that they're working hand-in-hand. Hand. Yeah, it does not personalize like in the same way that you'd find a Danny Elfman soundtrack to work with a Tim Burton film. It feels like that was a... You know, that they were in tandem. Like, they were always talking to each other. There was cross-referencing cross things. None of that is going on here, because I feel like it was all just taken for granted. It's an action film. We know what we need. You know what we need. Write it. And that, that like... But we don't even know if that's the case. You're only um, no, of course I'm speculating, but that's how it feels. Okay, well that's fair to say that it feels that way. I mean, we can't prove one way or the other how it actually was. Moving on to the next track, uh, "Just a Memory." This is the song that was played in the beginning of when uh, Mako gets lost in her own thoughts during the drift, and. I mean, it was uh, dark. It was ominous. All those words. <laughs> yeah, this this was frantic and fighting. Like this was that that kind of, you know, a little girl lost in in a destroyed city. You get that sense from the song. It was frantic, kind of very cliche. Frantic's the wrong word. Frantic's the wrong word. The best best way to, I can describe a lot of these songs is military and idea, not military beat or anything like that, but the idea of hurry up and wait. How do you mean that? You have a section, a section. It is a drawn-out a section. There's very little uh, evolution of what the violins will be doing. And it goes directly into a B section of drums that really feels disconnected. And it tries to flow through, and then you get another long, drawn-out waiting game that goes into another section. It's those transitions, you're hurrying up to catch up to what the action's doing, and then you're waiting for the action to progress again. It's a lot of stops, a lot of starts. <laughs> Almost feels like this experience that you would have if you were actually in the military. Yes, Often it is a lot of waiting, and then all of a sudden, you're there on the front line. Holy crap. Six months of sitting around, five minutes of action. That's sort of a deal. Yeah. But, and that's 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 where I'm, I'm feeling. And this is another track that I really felt the bloated nature of the orchestral uh, orchestral elements. I, they, they really felt unnecessary in the amount they're being used. One or two violins would have been fine, but they're using a full orchestra's worth, and it's just so much of the same note. I don't need it. I agree. I do indeed agree with that. And I'm, I'm, I'm tired of many of these themes. I... I do understand the fact that it fit the theme. That's what I was going that's where I was going to go with this originally because um Hugh used the word appropriate. I understand that it's appropriate because it's summer blockbuster and I do want to preface it by saying that I enjoyed the film as a summer blockbuster. I really did enjoy the fact that yeah, you're not necessarily looking for any deep kind of art here. You really are just looking for 
Things to blow up. Things to blow up, exactly. And I just don't remember any of the soundtrack when I was actually watching the film, and I was making a concerted effort, uh, being that you, um, being that it was your suggestion. It just, it doesn't really stand out. I, I'm watching, I'm watching the screen, and I'm just seeing the action, and it, it seems to fill in all that you need. You don't need a, uh, you don't need something in the background to really state it correctly, or put it in perspective. There's going to be a roaring and engines revving and explosions. Yeah. And things huge that evoke wave and that evoke that. There's going to be a ton of sound thrown on top of this score. You're not going to get too many moments yeah. of Jedi duels where there's really very little action sound. It's the score propelling it. And here's my thing about uh, on 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 just the memory is that it feels like they're kind of trying to force feed us the emotional element in these characters and there's just not enough there in my opinion i don't i this because it's a summer blockbuster they kind of rushed these characters they went through them very very quickly they got it out of the way so they could get to the action as quick as possible i respect that for a summer blockbuster because that's what people people are there to see but i mean track uh, soundtrack wise it it expects you to feel a little more than you're really going to feel. You don't know Mako that well. You're just giving a short little excerpt of her when she was a child, watching this stuff go down. I'm sure it was very dramatic. But you don't know her well enough to really feel it. And yet, there's so much gloominess and ominousness to this track that it's just... It's, it's, it's overbearing. Because like it would be suited to a more complex story. I disagree, because I feel like that scene when she was wandering lost, it was supposed to feel so empty because she was so alone. First of all, watching a girl of that age in a movie, with this behind her, hysterically crying, screaming crying almost. But at the same time, you have a 25, 30-story monster yelling at the top of its lungs at her. You hear giant robots beating the piss out of it. You hear buildings falling. Why are they trying so hard to fill this emotion that can't be heard? I'm, that's 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 where I'm going with this. It's it's just they're trying so hard to do something. I don't think it really fits the scene work, and especially in this case. Well, and it works in the next case too. Twenty five hundred tons of awesome. Uh, to me, this was another instance of just kind of trying too hard. It was. They wanted big. They wanted big. They wanted they strong. Big. So what do you use? You use strong themes, heavy percussion, lots of drums and horns. And it, I had very similar reaction uh, as you did to just a memory, John. I, I just I'm, I was I was tired of it at this point. I feel like I I've heard it enough. I got, and but believe me, this was a very controversial film because a lot of people did not like it because they're not a fan of found footage films. But Cloverfield. There wasn't a soundtrack at all. There was very little, right? Yeah. If there, if there so. was a soundtrack, I don't think there was a soundtrack. I don't believe there was. Yeah. Silence was a much better use in that film. I felt it there. I felt the terror. I felt a lot more in that oh, yeah. film than I did here. Yeah, Cloverfield. I actually liked. I thought it was scary, and like I don't like a lot of the found footage films, but Cloverfield I enjoyed. Especially when you finally see the monster at the end, when the camera's just on the floor because. Uh, one of the, I think T.J. Miller was the actor who was playing the lead that was carrying the camera. Right. Gets killed, and they just show the, the creature. Like, at that point, you wanted to see the creature so badly, you finally do, and it was worth the wait. Right. And here's the thing. Like I said, it, it is 
It's controversial because not everyone's into found footage, and there was a lot of uh, pomp and spontaneity to yeah. that film and the way it came out, so not everyone went for it. I get it. Not everyone's thing. But for me personally, I liked the fact that silence evoked terror. It evoked it a lot more than it did here, because this, as we said before, same tropes, same material, yeah, but this, same were, stuff but that you get from any... Going was, back 20 years. But they weren't, supposed to, they weren't trying to evoke any terror in this movie. Except maybe in a couple of So what are they scenes. trying to evoke? Majesty? Wait, in, in what? In, in 2,500 tons of awesome. They're, they're trying to... Yeah, they're trying to evoke this kind of epicness. They're not trying to evoke terror. Then why should be we be afraid? They're giant 30-story monsters. This wasn't a song for the monsters. This was a song for the mechs. No, 2,500 tons of awesome is a direct quote referencing the monsters. It's Newt delivers that line and immediately backpedals because he's like, but uh, of, of terror, I mean. Yeah. Just tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, that's the line. He was talking about the kaiju. Yeah. yeah. But I don't know that the song is for that. No, it's, I mean, I understand, it's about the monsters. I understand that it was a, um, that it was a track meant to kind of evoke the mechs. It's just... I, I'm the talking. Tracks, I'm, I'm, okay. ta- I'm speaking generally, to be honest. The tracks that invoke the mechs usually have some sort of electronic or rock element. This didn't have it. All right, I'll concede that then. If I'm getting that confused, this track wasn't a strong track. Again, it's not even one of anywhere near one of my favorite tracks. Anyway, so all right, well, let's I can concede. There's a little that. bit more to say about the next because there's going to be a lot of tracks here where I uh, we kind of glaze over. Yeah, Shutter Dome is not necessarily one of them. Shutter Dome, I, I actually perceive to be one of the more standoutish tracks on this mm. album. Uh, soundtrack it's just it's it kind of a, interesting it but had tech vibe not just tech we're talking like 80, and 80, 80s we're back to more 80s synth always finding that yeah it had a, look it had a nice that. tech tribal vibe to it 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 moved it didn't it wasn't as halting as the previous tracks it moved it flowed better than the previous work uh it was one of the more enjoyable tracks um in this case, my gripe is uh, from the movie aspect. The musical aspect, it's it's a good track. From the movie aspect, it's supposed to represent this really dilapidated, rundown bass. Yeah. Kind of weird because it didn't really feel dilapidated, rundown. It was. It was. It, yeah, but also keep in mind the bass looked dilapidated and rundown on the outside. But once you got inside, there was a lot of that tech there, especially in the control room, which they cut to. But it, it even, especially it had that that military tone. There really wasn't a military element. In the film, but the sound there the be- soundtrack has a huge military element. They're not military. They're more frantic dudes trying to save the world. That's not true. The whole Ildris Elba's character... He's the only military person. And he's trying to run a military operation. Except it's very laid back. It's very much... Uh, blue-collar no. style. The main characters were very laid back, blue-collar. The smaller players I didn't get that vibe from. Like the actual crew and stuff. They were either scientists or workers. I never saw someone in a uniform. Well, my gripe with this, to be honest, is musical. It's it's um I I liked the ideas that were at play. I did not like the way they blended together. There were two distinct things going on here, and one was that that eighties synth, which gives me a futuristic thing. Again, not really anything futuristic to an old rundown uh what was it shed? Kind yeah. Of, yeah. Whatever. With giant robots that were beat all to heck. 
Yeah, it but it it just it doesn't evoke that kind of vibe to me. This 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 was almost sci-fi. This was I felt like I was in the stars. But it was the, it was, even if you accept that, it's the transition that got me worse. And that was the transition from that into the Soviet era pomp and <laughs> the military. Yeah, well, yeah, the, the chanting seemed not just military. The chanting was this was this was like I could hear the Soviet national anthem in this. I mean, it's that that I feel like I'm at the uh, I'm at their parade. With the high stepping, the yes, the missile, the, the show, the nu- showcasing of the most recent nukes and, and tanks. Stalin just standing there behind bulletproof glass. Yes, th- this is what I felt, and that that sends more of a chill down my spine than I should be feeling for the heroes. I mean, I'll admit that this track did was kind of schizophrenic and did have a mishmash. I mean, I mean I don't, actually, I, don't, I want to split hairs here because obviously, if you're Russian and uh, perhaps an ex-Soviet, you might find a lot of. Um, we're American, <laughs> but you might find that to be a very uh, uh, rousing theme. It's just and I've seen it. Used it it's in not. Other films it's not so much. Way. It's not so much that. It's it's the the disparity between that early half of this track and that later half of this track. I just feel that musically, that was very sloppy. There was a musical disconnect in this track. I yeah. will say that absolutely. Uh, moving on to one of my favorite tracks on the record, Mako, which was yeah. Ver- this- it was very, very sincere, but this is the one featuring Priscilla on. It was the the theme of one of the main characters, Mako, who uh, ends up becoming a, a, one of the Jaeger pilots. Who uh, um, and and she, I mean, it's this character that very much is supposed to represent that women can kick ass too, but they don't have to be this, you know, cliche woman hero figure, which I like. Is that this character who clearly is. A, a beautiful woman who clearly has the brains behind you know she's very science or- oriented inclined and is in the background for a bit of the movie but isn't that she just, steps forward isn't that like everything like the, the, she is the cliche empowered that in woman it, that in itself feels like an insult kind of she's got kung fu or she's super smart or she's able to manipulate men or <laughs> no, but she, she's not. Or she has something driving her. Except this character has all of that. That's not true. She's not able to manipulate men at all in the entire movie. Mm, to at, some extent, no. Yeah, she I'll, doesn't. I'll admit the manipulating one. Yeah, she's, no, she's pretty. This, she's pretty timid. But um, she doesn't manipulate anybody. It's it's a, it's a kung. It, okay, kung fu. Super intelligent. No, in fact, this is why I this is why I made that direct she's comparison. Not even super intelligent. This is why, man, that I compare that direct Amaz- uh, comparison to. Anime. Anime has this. Anime is actually very common to include the, the timid, which sort of brings you right back, yes, she's a woman, there's, there's a, I, I suppose, an inherent, um, how do you want to put it? I mean, that's actually more of a Japanese notion, but I guess a femininity to her. You cannot take her femininity away from her in this circumstance, but you can give her strong qualities. That is very common in anime, and I saw that here in this track. Yes, but, but it was just it. It's but I just, don't. But I don't think there's it's no cliche. complexity there. Yeah, but she not, felt this... like the lead straight out of Shamra- Samurai Champloo. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, okay. No, because the timid girl. Who... No, because this character is more empowered than her. She has more skills than her. She can defend herself, and she proves that. And she proves that the the, the lead from Samurai Champloo is it does the same exact things. She's timid. She's quiet. Uh, until she gets given a reason not to be. Well, let's look at the material on the paper here. This track, in specifically, looks at the timid side. 
this track is a very soft track. Yes. You're looking at a uh, light harp in the background. Of, I mean, if you could possibly come up with a more cliched instrument to uh, embody femininity. And then you're also looking at the solo voice, which is in a overbearing Asian style. Oh yeah, Asian character, Asian style singing. There's that. There's that. That twang to the entire track. So I, I understand that it has a certain understated beauty to it, but this is not my favorite track in the album by far because I'm just not attached enough to this character. There's not enough complexity to her in general for me to care about any of this. It's it's it's. It actually enhances the same problem that I had with just a memory. It is more distinct as far as tracks go, as far as pieces go from this score. From the yes. But as a whole, it's very much a similar vein that we've I've I've seen on numerous occasions. This is something I've heard before. And ad nauseum. It's presumptuous. I think it's cliche. I don't think it's presumptuous. I think it's cliche. I'll give you that. I will concede that. But I think that, again, I think there's a lot of cliche themes in this film that are not, I'm making a film. Oh, it happened to be very cliche. In the back of my mind, I didn't realize. The, the, cliche, the cliche and... and, and but there's not a, okay. No, no, this, this is what I really, really did want to get into. I'm glad you brought it up. Because you're standing at it if this was, this was almost meant to be ironic. But yet it's a summer blockbuster film, and I feel like none of that was really there. I still think it was, the whole purpose was robots fighting monsters. You know, you admit that at the core that was the purpose yes, of this film. Yes, absolutely. And that has but a huge financial Actually, draw. the purpose of this film was for Guillermo del Toro to play with his toys in a bigger sandbox. This is him fulfilling his childhood dreams, this movie. Because he loves Japanese kaiju movies, he loves giant robots, he loves special effects and practical effects, and that's... Okay, but the way you were standing it before makes it sound like there's like there's a cheekiness to this film, like like I there's just, almost it's almost like like sidelining other films and saying, <laughs> "I see what you're up well, against." Well, I know. I just I, see I what can't. You're up to. I can't believe that Guillermo del Toro and the people that he worked with made a movie with every trope in existence of all of sci-fi in one movie by accident. I I don't believe it was by accident either. I believe it was. I don't care. I think it was yeah. I think there was an intention to just make a movie and not and just be cliche and not give a shit. Exactly. I don't know. I, I don't but think I, that I, I, that I, would have I been going that. for irony, and I do not feel they went. They were trying to go for irony, and we're getting off topic again. Let's let's try to stick to the music. Call me Newt. This is one of the few tracks I really enjoyed. This had a very simple introduction that I thoroughly enjoyed. No, it, this it track lost I, a I, lot of the bloated nature. It built. I was digging this, and I really enjoyed the industrial tribal aspect of it later on. This track is to represent when Newt's scouring the city for the materials that he needs, and it's him walking around in a Japanese cityscape in he's Tokyo. In, no, uh, not Tokyo. He's in Hong Kong. Oh, uh, Hong Kong. He's in Hong Kong. That's right. It's Hong Kong after years of giant monsters trying to destroy it. So there's that digital feel. There's that rebuilding feel. There's dilapidation. There is the density, theme, the density, the theme work of people in groups, uh, that that tribal gang nature of it. There's a lot to this song. You could be jumped at any around any corner. Yeah, the, this um, I I liked it because it took me away from the sameness of of the other tracks, which I've already stated I was getting tired of. But aside from that, it was a setting track. It wasn't trying to give me this elusive idea of big 
or military or hero. You know, it, well, because none was, of those themes were in that scene, so it would have been of course, insane of if course, they did that. Of course, but that's why I liked it because this it was a setting track. I feel like no other track on this on this soundtrack had actually attempted to paint a setting. They were trying to paint an idea, which is difficult to pin down. Okay, but in this case, but this, it was pure setting. But this scene was also the most distinct setting in the movie. A lot of the other th- big scenes in the movie took place in the middle of the water or an indescript base. This was a scenery. The first time in the movie also that we got a very intense I know, scenery. I know, I know. I'm accepting all that. Of okay. course, that's just why I liked it. But that may very well have been by accident because that's really, as you say, the only scene that has a setting. A More or less. A definitive it's, setting. It's along the same lines, well, I'm not saying that that's good. Last week, when we reviewed uh, Jasquez Freeway? Jacquard. Jacquard, yeah. Jacquard Freeway. Causeway. It, Causeway. Whatever. Oh, jeez. Jacquard <laughs> Causeway. Uh, fourth track of last week's album, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Tomorrow's Harvest, Board of Canada. It was, you, you immediately got the theme work in the first few moments. It did a great job of setting up the scene. This did the same sort of job. Not to the same extent, but I felt it. I was able to immediately picture what was going on in the movie. So so we're defending it. You don't have to uh, jump down our throats. No, this one one we like. It's got the thumbs up. That's fine. I. It's, in it's, fact, the only the only thing that I would detract is that it, it wasn't long enough. It was short. For my taste. But the scene it's supposed to represent also is a quite short kind of, you know, him searching for a where and then finding yes. it. it. For it to be long, it wouldn't have made too much sense. Yes. Musically, it would have been great, but for the scene, it wouldn't have made sense. There's still an inherent silliness to it, also that the um. But the that. Char- rep- but that's the character. The character's also a quite I love that character. I want to put that right out there. I love Charlie Day in this film. I think he was. Well, first of all, I love him from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, and I think he did a perfect job at taking just enough um, silliness into this film yeah. while also sacrificing his typical stupidity that he has in It's Always right. Sunny. Perfect job right there. Well, so I guess there's a little side line I mean, on the acting. Th- that's another thing that I liked about the movie itself is that... There is a cheekiness to that and all of There is that a much. cheekiness yes. to the Their film. I mean, names are the two individuals oh, yeah. from the 16th, uh, 17th century... Who claimed to invented calculus? Newton and the guy he stole it from. <laughs> whose name I can't remember. But they're mm. named. Come on, they're supposed to represent science. So yes, and, both, and both of those scientists, yeah, were very cliche. One was the crazy, wacky, not as smart scientist. Like and then Doug Brown. And then there was the the so smart, too smart for his own good, hypersensitive. A hyper, a paranoid. He wasn't even scientist. a scientist. He was a mathematician, which is a whole level, new level. He's of he, he's the blackboard uh, scientist, scientist, right? Yes. And was overly germophobic and all that stuff. They were they were clearly yeah. the embodiment of scientific tropes. And they yes. were the supporting characters. They are in their way their own heroes. Yes, in many ways. And they have their moment to shine later in the movie. All right. Continuing, uh, Jaeger Tech. This was the second track featuring Tom Morello. Um, ooh, 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 this one had awkward transitions. This was some of the most halting transitions in the album. Yeah, I am inclined to agree completely with that. I There's can't fight. Really now, I, I, I've come to I've come to realize that um, regardless of Tom Morello, I really don't know his work. I just don't think it fit in the, This is this. 
hearing it, hearing it for the second time, I felt like that that distorted guitar just did not work um, with something that I was already not too sure on. I felt like it, it didn't add anything. It kind of took me in the reverse direction. I did not feel the 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 technical grandeur going on just because of a distorted guitar. It it didn't add anything. And when paired with the violins, once again, the string section getting overused, it it actually decreased the level of hypertech that they were going for. It went more to a classical side. I did not see it. It went more to a classical side? It went away from technology. I don't it went back just more toward the orchestral, Scott. Oh, yeah. when right. they went orchestral, they 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 go antiquated as opposed to advanced. Yeah, it's not that uh, orchestral is antiquated, but certainly when you pair it up side by side with a uh, uh, overtly techno um, themes, then yes, it the, does. The it disparity does sound... is very much evident. Yeah. Wow, I'm using big words. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I... No, using silly words. <laughs> I don't know. Of the Tom Morello tracks, this is not my favorite. I can't fight the the weak transitions. That's just apparent. There's and nothing to fight there. But uh, as far as the track goes, I still like the parts in this track. I don't agree that the, the electric, the distorted guitar was that disjointed from everything else. I think that the, the reason I liked it is because of the rock and roll feel that they were going for may not have matched the movie and scene as well as it should have. But I think within the concept of and the framework of the song in its parts... I liked it, and I thought it did fit. You know what it reminded me of? And certainly not that much, but just a little bit in tone, Men in Black. It reminded me of the same tone that was used a few times in Men in Black. Not that I think this is anywhere nearly as well written as the Men in Black soundtrack. When everything just... was black, white, and chrome. Yes, well, it's a thing. It was also a comedy. Men in Black was a straight-up comedy. This is an action with comedy No, that twists. was a historical document. Of course, of yep. course. How could I forget? From the future. But or past you shouldn't you shouldn't one. remember that. No. <laughs> My glasses true. are thick enough that the flashy thing you don't work on me. That's <laughs> You're blind That's enough. That How work. would you know? I know things. I don't know. You wouldn't Whatever. remember Moving if you on. knew that. The next one is to fight monsters. We created monsters. This is a really early track in the movie in the. The original this is the monologue that's explaining what's going on. Yeah, the lead character explaining the the. You know, to, to fight the monsters, we built monsters. It was competing with a heavy voiceover and some first introduction scene work to the giants. Because of that, it kind of took a back seat and became very stagnant and unflavored, the sound. I, I, I felt... Pfft, it, was, it was quite literally a meh track. It was meant I to agree. be background music, so I mean, yes, it, it was, succeeded wholeheartedly. I think I think it was meant to be background music, so for it to not be that engaging makes sense. For a song that you want to play in behind a, a voiceover, if it was written with that intent, it makes sense that it would not be completely engaging because you're paying more attention to the news report going on. All right, I have enough else to fight you in this album. I won't even try with this one. Sure, it's it's <laughs> sure and continue <laughs> continuing to fight monsters better than new. Was worse. Yeah, this track I couldn't stand. This, this one it was, was worse way than too the previous track. It was way too short, and it was no, kind of nothing. Short. It was, you know, it, it almost was... felt like it should have gone somewhere, but it was just too short to tell. Yeah. But again, it, in considering implementation in the film, do you remember the scene being as short as that? 
Yeah, because it was yeah. the scene where they were sitting on the balcony discussing how great his Jaeger looked redone up, and that scene's only a few, like, not barely it's a, a minute. It's scene. They're like, hey, yeah, we added another nuclear reactor and painted it. <laughs> I mean, it was re- <laughs> I think he just answered my question. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, 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 and it's got a head again. It was the like typical, was- <laughs> look, her, look at her, ain't she a beaut scene. I mean, that's what it was, and that's what this track was representing. So they were both kind of empty, so. We've already, yeah, we've already seen the big mech, and it's just like, oh, she's back. Like that was all it was, is to show that that the mech was rebuilt pretty, and they commented on how pretty she looked. I mean that it was, and so it served that purpose for better or worse. That's what it was used for. Okay. And continuing continuing my theme of being exaggerative and belittle, <laughs> we are the resistance. Making up words here. <laughs> yeah, totally. We are the resistance once again was even more mad than the previous track. This was supposed to be a this depressing, is where I, I inspiring take, track. This is where I start to take massive uh, gripes with um, percussion. I'm very tired of the percussion in this soundtrack at this particular point. Even if you accept that the theme work, that the violin theme work, is not repetitive, which I still think it is, but even if you accept that it's not, and he's doing subtle little different, subtle things... You know, altering from track to trap, and he is. It's just. It's Thank just... you for doing that because I didn't even have to say it. You said it for me. Oh, you were going to include that it's subtle, <laughs> subtly different. Well, as the it violin goes on. work. Yes, there are subtle differences in some yes, of the violin work. I'm aware work. of that, but that doesn't make it an emotional. No, no, I was here. saying more the thing that if you don't agree that it's repetitive, that was the part that I didn't have to say because you said it for me. Okay, lovely. Well, it's moot because the percussion is percussion is incredibly repetitive, and that is unchanging. And he did very little in the composition to further that and uh, this is the track where I notice it most and then to boot what else do we get we get more Soviet march Soviet chanting <laughs> I keep forgetting what what the name of that mother country motherland same thing motherland what is the name of that, of that parade of theirs which parade they had they had that um, the parade recently where they started is that the no, revolution it was, the, it was the Soviet well it could be to honor the uh uh, the Russian the Revolution. October Re- Revolution. That may very well be it. There's Which I just... think is held in November. November, per, I think. Yeah, you're getting closer. Yeah, very close was, to the name. If I'm not mistaken, one it's it's in one month and it's supposed to be in the other because of how they actually do it. Uh, this is from high school level Russians, uh, Russian uh, language studies. I have enough. I have enough knowledge about Russian, but I don't. I have, I keep I always forget the name of the parade. Any case, I feel it's important to mention because this... I cannot unsee it when I hear this theme. It's the standard Kremlin tank rolling yes. by you scene. This is, uh, this is it, it. It's it's uh it's propaganda to me. It's it's very. First time I heard it was James Bond. Uh, Wait, are you it? saying that the track is very representative of propaganda? It's it's representative. Of, it's representative of jingoism. Well, just because the track is called "We Are the Resistance," I mean, this is. It's it's pushing that kind of I guess if you're promoting that you're the resistance you're promoting this propaganda. Yes, for, but for those that don't know, jingoism that's is that's exactly what we're saying. Promoting like that there's a disparity there. You use a word that I had to look at at one point. Jingoism is over enthusiastic patriotism, borderlining terrorism. Yes, it's um. That's the thing. If this is we are the resistance, then they would be the underdogs. They're the whole they're idea behind for their world. <laughs> okay, I guess at the most appropriate time, obviously, because your world is under threat, but 
of all the themes to pick, I just I don't I don't I don't feel this necessarily. Maybe because there was Russians in the movie. Like, I think I think that when I hear that kind of chanting, it makes me think that there's an institution in place that there is a that there's a very solid government and have no fear your government will take care of you I, I, this this is a this is a little bit more time for panic i think when you or, are we are the resistance if you're going to do yeah a, but there was no positive... panic in the resistance really no 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 if you're going to do positive resistance you go with heavy metal rock i mean you go attitude you go strength you go thrashing you go Discord. Uh, I'm walking a very fine. Resistance. I'm walking a fine line here because then there's also times when, like I said in the Tom Morello tracks, you go too heavy on that, and then I feel like that's in many ways just as cliched. Uh, there's just some fundamental flaws here. And double event track thirteen. This was the biggest transitional problems in the entire album. This was the battle. This but. this was A B C. This is the climactic end battle introduction into fight into secondary fight I don't know it, it's kind of has a well, I was I was willing to, to I was willing to forgive it for the fact that it occurs in the biggest battle in the film um am I correct I think this is the battle with uh with the ship being dragged no no wrong battle this is the battle Lovely. at the crevice I still can't get it right the crevasse uh Really, with that far ahead already? So that's the double. No, so you're wrong. No, is. no, no. You're right. You're right. You're Steve right. is right. That's you're wrong. Ship. I'm like, what are you talking? That's about? the first double. It, but it's that's not. What I it, but this song, yeah, this song represents that second half of that battle after the double event happened, where they took out the one in the water, and then he went into the city to get the other monster. I'm going to take this time to interject. This is, we occasionally get stuff wrong here and there, but this is this is tough. This is really really tough. And this is all this movie is supposed to be, by all uh, intents and purposes, fresh in our heads. If we have to struggle, that's bad. It's really bad. You shouldn't need to take, you know, notes of your soundtrack into the film with you. It should be... It, it's a short film. It's not that long. It's, no, no, it's two hours. Is it two? Uh, yeah. Two hours is still pretty average. Yeah. Yeah. It's still straightforward film. And the primary problem with that is that there's a... About three different themes built in this soundtrack, and while there are, yes, deviances and some little intricacies, it is so samey throughout these three themes that it's hard to tell them apart. I'm ready to pull a plinket here and, and give you that, that little test, let's say, play you a um, an excerpt of the, of the Star Wars soundtrack and see if you would actually have to struggle to tell me which scene that was in. Though, with the Star Wars soundtrack, unless you pick something distinct, it can get hard. Um, the score? We're, most of that soundtrack, actually, it, it's amazing how, in the subtle differences of, of the way uh, John Williams stated the primary Star Wars theme, uh, you actually are able to distinguish between certain different scenes. Like, for instance, uh, Luke Skywalker's theme, or the Two yes. Sons theme. You know, tattooing in many ways, it's it, it's the same original theme. It's just stated lighter, stated stronger, etc. Back on track. Uh, moving on to the next track, Striker Eureka. This was actually good because this is a setup of a fight scene, and I got that frantic back and forth nature of 
action, pause to look at each other, action, pause to look at each other. It felt like a, a, a variety of snippets of a fight scene, and it really did give it, it did work well. I liked this track. I thought the track I, was... I thought it had a very similar fault as the previous person. I thought it was kind of static and, yeah, not very much I think better. maybe because it was a little more halting, and it wasn't so ubiquitous in sound. All I know is that you give me a chance to talk about these two tracks in tandem, because um, I had hadn't finished a point on 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 double event, and that's just the fact that there's. I think the core problem here is that it's unlike those subtle variations of loud and soft. There's an overbearing loud quality. I think to many of these uh, to many of these tracks, it's just when you're in a battle, you still expect there to be highs and lows. You don't expect it to just be one thing consistently and I think that's the problem here is that it almost feels like it reaches little mini climaxes but there's really no there's really no big conclusion you don't feel like you've gone out like, you feel like you're going into a battle you don't feel like it's you don't feel like you went out of it that's, you don't feel like you ended it that is a component of the movie itself you feel like you just only trailed has, off no the movie itself only really has one culminating scene at the end the rest of it is just getting through the day. Yeah, the fights don't climax. It's just there was a pretty climactic ending to the battle that we're talking about in double event. When when he gets lifted practically almost into space. Yeah, and you know reentries. Yeah, but honestly, the movie wasn't over. Didn't feel climactic because the movie wasn't over. Well, the Star Wars trilogy isn't over. You're supposed to feel that way at the end of Empire. Yeah, but it was that's written very differently also. Yeah, you know, well, granted. But I still think that you can have... Um, I still think the first the first major battle is an important thing to The state. whole concept is they don't win yeah. any of... They I, don't win the war they're fighting. I, I'm, they win every battle and are still going to lose the war. That's the concept not, of the movie. I, yeah, I'm not disagreeing with your logic. Your logic is sound. However, for the movie this song is what presented in... There's kind of no logic welcome. I mean, it's just it's the the problem. The uh, problem. The thing is that this song is written for a scene where the, John's right. There isn't a climax because pretty much as soon as the battle's over, they're like, "Well, here we go again." Like, yeah, there, there's not, no climax. Reset the clock. We're gotta get everything cleaned up because they'll be coming again. You win every battle and still lose the war because that's the nature of this conflict. And I think that and these you know what that says to me? Just, just, to, just to brainstorm things. It, that says to me, all right, there's a certain existential nature about life. Uh, you don't always get the the grand ending that you hoped for. Why not include a little bit of silence in in these in these scenes? Speaking of which, physical compatibility. This, this is a different case altogether. Very this, different case, because this is not mechs. These are individuals. This is the two leads fighting one another Ma- to, Mako to and try to go into their drift. Now, the drift is an aspect of the movie, if you do not know, where the two minds actually link to one another, which allows them to control the giant mechas. This is actually the only thing in hard science that's in the whole movie. Because they're trying ba- based to... Based in, in yeah, the, reality. Yeah, giant monsters, giant mechs, wormholes, not really too realistic. This actually has some compatibility. So this is a, uh, a uh, bow staff fight scene between the two leads, proving 
the idea is that if you're physically compatible, your you your mental compatibility comes easily after. And so, it's this this scene begins with the lead beating man after man, and then the make then they you know the lead pushes to fight Mako, and Mako gets allowed to and fights and shows that she didn't need to be allowed because she was actually perfectly compatible and maybe even better. It's, it's, it's less the fact that they can beat one another and more the fact that they are able to anticipate each other's moves. And they... Representing the physical and mental compatibility. Yes. This it's, is the one track I actually did have a semi-emotional connection with. It's, it's, a, I, nearly I felt... sensual, it's a nearly sensual combat fight. Yes. And that's how the track represents it and it's a great job with their peaks and their valleys of high speed. No, it's, it's not that. It's instrumentation, in my opinion. This is all instrumentation, and this is where I decided that I, I, I think um, I, I think that whereas I claimed that the heavy, distorted guitar uh, in Tom or the Tom Morello featured tracks really takes away from the whole, I think that the solo electric guitar, the very light, almost, almost jazz guitar uh, effect stated when when that's when that brings in I, I believe it I believe it and I think it's very very tasteful it's not tacky it doesn't have that tackiness to it I feel emotionally connected I feel it I think that's actually what makes it feel sensual come to think of it I think uh, jazzy guitar it's not that the melody itself is actually jazzy it's the tone yes the, to- the right wor- and the warm tone and it's not like the whole thing is sensual it's got this sens- sensual undertone because the the idea is that fights like this border uh, a sexual experience because it's the movements and the moving together and that kind of idea. Of course, they're trying to understand each other. It's, yes. it's, it's it is very sensual. Yes. So um yes, one point. <laughs> Note two. The next. Call me Newt. It's up two. The next track, track 16, is one of my favorite tracks on it called Category 5. It's obviously the track played when the first ever Category 5, the largest monster to come through the rift, comes to the rift. And I felt that this song was almost perfect in execution for the scene it was created for because you get that sense of scale. The way this song builds and drags, you get this sense of massive scale of this monster coming to crush these tiny little puny men. It brings me back to another point left me hanging on, and that was my Cloverfield comparison here. There was a moment in this track where I did feel the scale. I feel like this was a little bit closer to achieving it than some of the previous tracks on this soundtrack. This one was appropriately big and bloated in style. I still would not say it was through and through. I would say it had intriguing moments. I would say occasionally here and there the composer would go to a particular chord and that would give me the uh, the idea of a little bit more um, menacing... Uh, otherworldly. That's the one thing I feel like was not used enough in this soundtrack. There really needed to be more of an otherworldly quality to this when you have these giant things. It, they giant were, aliens. Yes, giant aliens. They are... They, yeah, but they're not normal. <laughs> but you don't explore the other world. They're still grounded in this... Our real world. No, you, not. We don't see their world until the end of the movie. And they still do not use it there, and I'll... That's my... I... I if you that, think I have an issue here, I have an extremely big issue there. It's not enough flex. It doesn't go enough places. It's just there's there's a static nature to this uh, soundtrack in general. Pentecost, track seventeen. 
We couldn't place it for the longest time. Happens to be the last name of the supporting black in charge of everybody character. And the meaning of Pentecost? The character played by Eldris Elba. Which, I don't know why he was called Pentecost. It doesn't really make sense. It's the feast after uh, Jesus arrives from the grave on Easter. The Pentecost is the Holy Spirit entering the apostles so they can spread the word. I don't know why. I mean, I can see extremely oblique parallels to the main character to this character in the movie doesn't really make too much sense don't really like it we're not working that hard this week no I'm not well the idea might have been that he's almost like a walking ghost because he's been dead since the moment he hit that extreme no it's more like he's trying to spread the word that the world's ending yeah that's about as deep I want to get I exactly I immediately forgot this track after listening to it I truthfully have no notes and don't remember it either so that's fair me neither yeah. Fun. We all bombed that one, but uh, seriously, this, we're gonna bomb a few this, more. This is where, if you think the problems I had with Category Five, uh, well, actually, with a, a little bit earlier than that, th- it just gets worse and worse. Um, go big or go home. So go big or go home was another one with Tom Morello, and it it went into this, those themes again that this, were in previous tracks. I love the electronic guitar. I really did. I wanted to be just fall in love with it, and the classical music destroyed it. All right, stop calling classical music. I we the, the get, classical it's instruments. orchestral. It's orchestral. orchestral instruments. I'm sorry, I'm pissing Steve off because it's not classical. The orchestral you're, instruments. Because you're not using big words anymore. You're using stupid words. Yes, the orchestral <laughs> instruments destroyed it. This is the yeah. I, I I agree with your idea that there I wanted is. Wanted to really enjoy it. I agree with the disparity between the electronic side and the orchestral side. And I, I, too, am just really tired of that mashup. I, what did we say earlier? Trans-Siberian Orchestra. They are the progenitor of that combo. Large, combining the larger-than-life scale of a true orchestra. With heavy metal. With heavy metal, which itself, even though it's less instruments, is also really large scale. Large scale, yeah. Yeah. Seems like a match made in heaven. Well, some people do it right. Some it just... It, it's becoming so common in sci-fi action films these days or that I don't films. feel the oomph that I did once. Or just films. Anything that's yeah. got any sort of action seems to be drawing upon yes. that sort of idea. So this is the key thing. I don't buy the fact that just because you have those two things present makes it a good track. No, I agree. Yeah, that, Like I said, I wanted... That, but that seems to be to the like idea it. behind a lot of these soundtracks lately. I guess. I mean, the reasons I like this soundtrack are different than just, oh, we mashed these two th- things together, it's good. Because I don't agree with that. You're right. That sound doesn't always make a good track. In fact, often it doesn't make a good track. And yet, often what I hear is, man, that was awesome. Because they hear the oomph. Oh, yeah. But, but where's, that's where's also, the soul? But those are the same people flipping solo cups and wearing their collars up. So, <laughs> hey. yes, I called you out. Sorry, John. I used to flip solo cups. <laughs> I never popped the collar, because that really irritates my ears. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the next track. I will agree. I will agree that while I do, I'm not changing the fact that I like this album, I will agree that it's not as memorable as I thought it was. However, we got Hannibal Chow now, and Hannibal Chow is great. Yeah, this track. <laughs> this track is the embodiment of the character created that was played by Ron Perlman. This goes right back to Call Me New. Yes, this is another setting track. 
Only this time you're not walking around the city itself. It's the setting this of time, his lair, Hannibal Chow's lair. It's the lair. This is the culmination. He has arrived at the lair, even though we're pretty near the end of the soundtrack. Again, imagine how out of order these tracks Further are. Further proving that it is actually out of order, yes. yeah. Um, this is like an opium den. Yeah. It's a CD den of I not actually, good okay, things. I actually loved the way that you described this, John. You used three words. I had to write them down for you. It was dark, sens- sexual, and ponderous. That was a yeah. beautiful way to describe the whole setting going on right now. He's the generic, quote, Mr. Big Mafioso. Yeah. Right, but the best part the is... big made man. He's in and the middle... Sexual, it's important to mention sexual, even though there's not actually any sex going on right here. No. This, this is... This, it's a show of... of, of this guy... Of ex- machismo. Yeah. yeah he ex- 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 well, cause he's exudes... Because he's supposed to... Exudes he's, class. Well, because he's supposed to go. be the alpha male. Although it's funny, because he's speaking with a Brooklyn accent in the middle of Hong Kong, surrounded by Chinese. Which... And he's, he even says, my it's name Ron is... Paul, it's Ron my, my, my name... My name is Hannibal Chow. For two things. My favorite person in history and my favorite Chinese restaurant no. in Brooklyn. My favorite historical person and my second favorite, favorite Chinese, Chinese restaurant, restaurant, which is just a, a great line. It it's really a is. That's a line. Th- yeah, it's all, he could only, he's the only one who could deliver, could deliver that. that line and it'd be great. And yeah. this is the sort of guy. I don't know. And that, that almost does. I, I will give you one point. Uh, I'll, almost, I'll actually give you one point, Matt. That, that does kind of throw back to the cheekiness. I admit that itself has a little bit of cheekiness in it. Yes. I wouldn't go as far to call this ironic or anything. But I wasn't saying but, it was ironic. Yes. I was saying that there are cheeky moments in this movie that are doing small winks to at least a little bit of comedy. Which Guillermo del Toro has done in a lot of his movies. What's well, the idea that in many, in many cases, uh, uh, villains, well not villain, he's not a villain, but um, powerful supporting characters often have really ridiculous names in yes. these films. And that, and why not address it? Right, I definitely did that. It's not a coincidence his name was Hannibal Chow and that he had that line. Like, that yeah. was definitely done for a little wink to the crowd. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy this on the same exact level that I enjoyed Call Me Newt. The next song is For My Family. This one is. So, this is the beginning of the end of the movie. It seems like the last handful of tracks sort of start to follow an order and then it breaks up again. But anyway, this is supposed to be, this is their, their, um, this is when they're kind of rallying to, to fight back. And I only wrote down that it was the same epic monster theme they've been trying to perpetuate throughout the entire... The problem is the tail end of the record did start to blend with the earlier part of the record, which was my biggest gripe about uh, okay. the soundtrack. That's, that's a massive gripe, though. 20, 21, 22, 23... Indistinguishable from previous tracks. Indistinguishable from previous tracks. Indistinguishable from previous tracks. That's all they were. They were snippets of previous tracks put together. Now I want to. I want to take a step back just to. Um, it it got bad. It got really bad. Well, I was actually going to reference uh, the critical response here, just because it it seemed to get a pretty good review. And I'll, I'm gonna. It's interesting that that it should have been put this way, because it was on the grounds. That the movie itself, or the theme of the movie, you know, giant mechs, yeah. giant robots, seems pretty juvenile, right? That that was what was dragging down the soundtrack itself. I'm not so inclined to agree with that personally, although I will agree. Yes, on the whole, I suppose there is some technical stuff going on here. I'm not one to disparage uh, the meticulous nature of composing. I'm sure it took a lot of work to put this together. At the same time, that does not always indicate a great outcome. I just, 
maybe this would have worked better with another film, but I still can't buy it. Uh, no, I still, this mo- but I still think that there's just there's not enough. I'm looking for a word here. This, but flexibility is as good as I can get. There's not enough flexibility with this theme. Well, I don't think it's the fact that there's not enough flexibility with Percussion the holds theme. It back. I think that there are too many themes, and the flexibility is lost in the fact that it's a mishmash of so many themes. Whereas if it was just a theme, are you talking you about the movie or the soundtrack? Both. I agree with the movie. I don't agree with the soundtrack. I really only saw three major musical theme works in this soundtrack. Aris, One is Aris, Marco, Mako. No, no, no. All right, no. we'll start I'm at the beginning. about the distinct tracks or the good tracks, the ones that don't use the same theme work. But there's three main parts to this album for the lesser tracks. One is dramatic big things on the monster aspect. One is the dramatic big things on the mecha aspect. And the third is the military. That's the main component. And then to some semi-greater extent, uh, when they all join together and you see them in one scene. Yes. Yeah. And but even that, and, and I think that actually sums up a good uh, deal of what I'm trying to get at here, is when they mash together, I don't feel much more power than I did when they were simply foreshadowing it. They, they, they dilute each other. Yeah. There, there's some of the parts is, 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 is lesser than the individual parts, yeah. to some extent. The whole is not greater. They did not complement each other's uh, aspects. You get the drum work that's just ubiquitous. That's the only way to describe <laughs> it. To that, it is that. It is the same drum work throughout. Bum, bum, you have bum, the violins bum, bum, and bum, bum. horns trying to represent primarily the monsters. You have the electronic guitar trying to represent primarily the mechas. They don't complement each other. Okay. I rarely do this, but I refuse to comment on No Pulse, Kaiju, Groupie, and Deep Beneath. We're essentially starting to summarize at this point. Unless there's any other major points about the closing tracks, we might as well there just is jump the, the breach. The, the breach okay, you go first. I'll wait. introduced one aspect, and they didn't even finish it, but they introduced Spacey, Alien, finally, I didn't and didn't even much, finish it. But they didn't finish it. I, I barely even heard it start. Like, I'm wondering what you heard at that moment, but I, I was continuing to hear more of the I previous. I put the word start. It seemed a little bit toned down. because yes. they're, I understand that when, this is of course when they're attempting to go down there and nuke the breach, which is uh, the portal that lets all the monsters come up. So of course you nuke the bridge, the breach and you close Destroy the bridge to our world. To yeah. our world. That's the sensible idea. But it's it, it kind of has that Independence Day feel uh, in the final mission when they send up Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith yeah. into space, and it's just two people doing a very, very important mission, mission blow up the mothership, and I, chills still go down my spine to this day when that portal opens up in the mothership and they just soar right in there with the green glow around and that eeriness in the background. So alien, so incredibly alien. It was unlike anything you had heard in the film up to that point, and that was a long movie, and this is deep in that movie before that moment comes. But it was chilling. Here, nothing. I got nothing. It was just a little bit quieter. That's that's the, the them starting it, as John was about to say. Starting to go down that road. 
and but it was they, really blue. They didn't finish it. Yeah, it was blue. So yeah, the, the visuals were decent, but they didn't go enough into it. Well, my it. biggest gripe also is that that scene was very short. That scene sir, was a means to an end, not an exploration. They fall through the breach into this new world. They show the aliens starting to yes. gather around this robot, and then boom, and gone. And you know, most of more of that scene. Well, was, it wasn't an exploration in Independence Day either. Oh uh, yeah, I guess that's true. But how much better was that? Was that done? Right, of course. But well, Independence Day is a better movie. Thank you. <laughs> well, I was never arguing that. No, I'm just saying that that just it sums it up, though. I mean, we can't talk about this too deeply. Other that, you can't talk about the soundtrack at that separately from the film. Eventually, it's going to boil down to the film was just not good enough. That I, the soundtrack could never be good enough. I can't take it separately. All, all I've been saying since the get was I remembered this soundtrack because it fits so well to the, the movie it was in. I thought the movie was cliche, predictable, but fun, and I thought the soundtrack was just the same. That's my wrap-up. Yes, okay. My, my choice of words for it's memorable and it was excellent... I was overstated. I'm just rolling my eyes because I refuse to to give a high rating to something that is cliche. Oh, I'm not giving a high rating. Unmemorable. But I'm not giving it a high rating. I enjoy. You're both pretty. You can do your explanations at the end. No arguments. Don't interrupt him. We're pretty much done. Okay. So this is is as good a place to do it as any. I'll start. (laughs) My biggest gripes with the movie itself was the fact that. It was about specifically one mech pilot, his mech, and the random monster of the week. Never really fleshes out any theme, never really picks a theme. It doesn't go anime, it doesn't go American Spaghetti Western, doesn't go war movie, doesn't go action movie. It's a little bit of everything. That sums this album so well. It, it, there's so many aspects of so many different random styles of music in here that the few distinct parts of the movie or what are the distinct parts of the album? It, it's it's one-to-one ratio here. The more interesting scientist, his theme, Walking Through Tokyo, is great. All right? There you go. Hannibal Chow, a really nice, unique-ish character, but more unique nice unique theme for him I mean it's 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 quite it's right on the nose everything that was cliche in the movie was perpetuated by a cliche sound you know I mean in, in those cases you you can't really fault the composer it may he if, he's, he's trying ta- he's taking a gig <laughs> this is his gig and he's doing the best he can but if he's fed a horrible plot I mean he can't really how, he's how, do, okay. he's how do, can he do anything but force? I wouldn't say it's a horrible plot. Let's be fair, you're being a little harsh. Gundam. No, it's a horrible listen, plot. It's I'm Gundam not, not meets Predator meets Rocky. That's this movie. Yes. Okay. Those three things don't go together, and that's what I'm saying. That's reflected in the music. May I have the movie was fun. Ain't gonna win an very, Oscar. Very fun, yes. May I have one aside here? What? I want to say that this is one of the reasons I defend this film, and it's all, it's it's for the fun aspect, of course. The Blowing summer blast, blockbuster, you know, every every uh, every young boy's sweat dream, of course. But here's the thing. I think that some of the uh, 
the attacking this movie would of course be ignoring that fact and then be attacking it for all the reasons that they have every right to be attacking it for. It's more the fact that I would actually object to anybody, I guess, cr criticizing this movie on worse grounds than a movie like Avatar, which I think, which even though it had much, much higher budget, and by all rights may have had a, and I say this loosely, thicker plot, mm. still had, did many of the same, it was pro had many of the same problems. It was aesthetically It was all pretty. about the visuals. It yeah. was all about all that other stuff. So it would be that, that kind well, of comparison for, that I would defend against. Except that the entire plot of Avatar was ripped from uh, Pocahontas, pretty much. Or Fern Gully. Or any of those movies that did the Stranger in a Strange Land theme, yeah, word we, for word. We, we, can't even, we can't even dissect enough plot in this film, though, to see what it's dissected from. But I guarantee you, there's the scores. <laughs> right. But no the pun, no but pun the, intended. But the difference was is that the, the, the writing... I feel like that the Avatar was... Are you saying that Avatar was better or worse than Pacific Rim? I'm saying it was no different. worse. Yeah, I wouldn't call it any worse. Avatar was No, it's more beautiful. like I'm not called... Let me reverse that. The reason I started this little aside is because I would defend this on the grounds of being no worse than Avatar. Okay. I mean, I thought Avatar was pretty, but it like I would never watch it again. Like, there's no rewatchability in Avatar. It's just a story you've heard a thousand times. The visuals were pretty, but on a small TV, right. what's the point? Right. Well, this movie changes, the Pacific Rim changes as well when you put it on a smaller TV. Well, right. I'd imagine it's, it's not, not as engaging. The mechas are not as giant. I could see. I could see watching the fight scene over again. I could see watching maybe one of the fight scenes in Avatar over again. You know, the yeah, same business. I don't know. Plot I mean, isn't a point. That's that's the only side I. Oh yeah, yeah. I would before. agree that both movies, the plot wasn't as important as yeah. the effects and everything else. I would agree with that. I yeah, even absolutely. But I, I have a feeling that. This, but I had this, more fun watching Pacific Rim than I did Avatar. You know why that was hype. Hype for Avatar. There's not going to be as much hype for this. This will be a forgotten movie in about a year. Probably. Well, because it's not even Guillermo del Toro's best work. Yeah, well, yeah, but not even that. It's just it, there are a lot of blockbusters that yeah. come out in the summer that are just, they, they come and they go. You, you discover them every once in a while in your life, but otherwise, they go. So I just, I was just defending on that notion. Okay. Um, so what Because I feel like in many ways this could be the, the, the turning point for some people. <laughs> Like some people would view this well, also, and be this like, movie "Oh, didn't do oh well wow, the this movie, this movie was horrible in plot," and yet they're forgetting the many movies recently that have done the exact same thing. Oh yeah, thing. but also this movie. I didn't... appreciate this for being nothing but what it is, except for the fact that Avatar made three times what Pacific Rim made. Pacific Rim made peanuts compared to it. In fact, it didn't That's do well. That's my point. Yeah, well, yeah. That's my point. Oh well, the problem is, is that the fans get, and the numbers show that Hollywood still thinks blockbusters are the way to go. But we can get more into this after we finish our wrap-up. All right. Oh, I get to talk again? By all means. It was a big, loud movie with snippets of personality. This was a big, loud soundtrack with snippets of personality. The movie, personally, I'd give it, like, three out of five. The soundtrack, two. Two stars. It mashes what it's supposed to represent. I'm never going to remember it. It's really not that good except for a few gems. But it's not just... It's not bad. It's just not good. See, but not bad and not good is three. Two mm. is bad. It doesn't have listenability on its own, though. And that would give it a three. 
I very much agree with John on that. Then why don't Not you go into your wrap up next? <laughs> leave you get leave, let you leave the listeners with the good word. I can go next. Fine, I'll go next. So <laughs> the reason I like this soundtrack and I enjoy it. It's not necessarily because it's great or revolutionary or incredible. I thought it was a perfect match. It was an average soundtrack for an average movie that was fun. I enjoy the soundtrack for the same reason I enjoy the movie. It was fun. And the soundtrack I thought was fun. Technically, there were problems. You can't ignore the transition issue. The transition issue was less apparent in the movie... Because in the movie, you're getting it in chunks as well. And there's screen changes. But it, but it, well, listening to the soundtrack alone, it is a lot more apparent. However, for a very cliche movie that was incredibly predictable yet fun, I enjoyed the soundtrack for the same exact reason. It was an incredibly cliche soundtrack that had ups and downs that I just enjoyed. It was not great. I overstated it when I first brought it up. I will admit that. I've come back on it. This is not four or five star, not by any means. We've heard way better soundtracks. But I still enjoyed it. And the reason I enjoyed it is because at face value, this soundtrack is exactly what I expected. There were some surprises, which were great, like the, the songs that were outside of the arc that we discussed. But the base simple explanation for it, and whether this is too simplified and trite, I don't care. I enjoyed the movie, it was a fun summer blockbuster, and I enjoyed the soundtrack, and enjoyed re-listening to it, because it was just a fun, a fun soundtrack to listen to. Technically-wise, there were a lot of problems, and especially noticeable towards the end of the album, where I didn't even have notes for the last three or four tracks, because they did get very repetitive in theme, and that would be my biggest gripe with the soundtrack on its own. Within the movie, it being repetitive... Not really a big deal to me because the themes in the movie were kind of repetitive. But on its own, it did get a little boring hearing the same theme over and over again. That said, it's a three for me. It's average. I don't think it's as terrible as you guys do. Maybe I'm seeing something that you don't. Or maybe you're seeing something that I don't is what making it worse. But for me, my baseline for it is I enjoyed it. And I thought it was fun like the movie was. So it's a three for me. You know, that's really it. Yeah, I think some might say that composers, that is to say the non-John Williams, non-Danny Elfman composers, might get shafted in the long run because they, they're hard-working people. <coughs> they, it takes a lot to compose a score of any kind uh, with some semblance of... of uh, cohesion? Cohesion, exactly. You're welcome. And this soundtrack fits that bill, and in many ways, it, it, it utilizes things that I didn't uh, even find in, in the Halo 4 soundtrack, which was, uh, I suppose, a, a fluid composition of the main theme. It uses that main theme, it uses it again, it recomposes it in different ways, it brings in other instruments. He's very playful with that, uh, Ramin Jawadi. But soul is important and I have to take your stance that you, you were saying oh I'm the music uh, John's the lyrics you're the emotion Matt well this is a, I'm, I'm pulling the emotion card here I just don't feel anything there are three tracks straight up that I feel it for and that is physical compatibility which I still think is kind of a cop out because for some reason they were able to fool me there he was able to fool me into believing that this was a a, a 
a true connection that this hero and um and his counterpart had when in fact there was very little else in the film right Ma- mako did not achieve character depth neither did just a memory and then the two other tracks of course um hannibal chow and call me newt because they were beautiful setting tracks they fit exactly what was shown on screen and i will i will forever associate that sound with that picture that's a whopping three tracks on a 25 track album uh granted it's a soundtrack so all this stuff is very very fluid it's a movie length material it sounds like it's one or two things it sounds like either the composer was struggling to implement to apply meaning to a meaningless plot or that maybe he himself believed it in in context of the plot itself either way i just can't rate it very highly this is very this is too tied to the movie for me and i i can't i can't rip it separately i agree with john 100% this is a 2 this is like this is like Linkin Park on an or- on an orchestral stage. That's about as as uh, as well as I could put it. That is to say, the album re-reviewed by Linkin Park. So there you uh, go. Uh, unless this album was done as one big chunk, like the song, it was a truly fully composed piece that got butchered to fit aspects of the pi- film. Hmm. Or maybe even butchered to fit uh to fit the se- the the scene cell of the soundtrack actually. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's it's, but the but the I'm sorry, but the product sucks. <laughs> That's it. That's it. I I I can't uh, I can't dissect process. It's and speaking of John Williams, yes. To move on from here to something that will make us all happy, uh, found out recently he is in fact doing the next Star Wars, score, yes, for Episode Seven. Of course. The dude's eighty-one. What do you mean? Of course, he's eighty-one. He's still alive. Barely. The guy's old. I'm happy he's still able to do it. Because it wouldn't be Star Wars without him. Speaking of John Williams, I was tweeted at by the gentleman of average intelligence. I figure I'll bring it up on the air at least. And we can discuss more off the air. They want to do for our crossover episode for the pop culture side, discussing John Williams as a pop culture phenomenon. That wouldn't be a difficult thing to do. No, we'll basically just be going, I love John Williams. No, I love John Williams for like use that as the perfect summation to this 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 review. You want soul? That I I I can't unremember all of the all the soundtracks that he's done. Uh, every to single, be honest, every single score has a definitive theme, and it, every single one of them is just goddamn beautiful. If anything, for our crossover episode, we should just make it Star Wars. That would make sense. All six episodes. Just talk about the movies and talk about the music. Yeah. That would make sense. Because even though the movies... That's what's, that's what's great about Revenge of the Sith is the music. Well, and same for uh, 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 Podracer, the, the movie. Podracer. I remember the sequel, Podracer 2's Attack of the Clones. That's right. But Podracer, the movie... If for nothing else, Duel do it for the, the music. Fates, Duel of the Fates has become one of the more memorable modern... Orchestral score. Yeah, yeah. because that, really is, really that song is, is ridiculous. That's the best thing to come out of whatever uh, that original, movie. Jar Jar Binks the movie. Phantom Menace. <laughs> that one. I honestly couldn't remember the name. Or is Fair it enough. subtly racist, the movie? I don't know. No, um, that's the whole series <laughs> of the newer movies. Are you kidding? The Trade Federation? 
That was so racist. Yeah. Other, so racist. Other things with score work. Uh, I got the ventilation shaft. <laughs> Elysium comes out soon. I want to see I've, Elysium. I've, all the that music really I've heard good. from the previews. Yeah, but you can't. Really good. But you can't go by that because a lot of previews don't use actual songs from the movie these days. Uh, that's a little more true with video games. You never get a track from the video game preview in the we game. Said of anything. Which stinks because. Well, that's like I hate. I bet, because many times it's not finished yet. <laughs> well, that's the same thing with movie trailers. The reason that sometimes there's scenes in movie trailers that are never in the movies because it's a deleted scene that they use for the trailer, and then they went, eh, we'll cut it out of the movie to shorten it, eh. which drives me bonkers, because there's some scenes in trailers that are really great, and then you get to see the movie go, wait, 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 wait where's wait, that wait. scene? You were supposed to say that thing that would knock me on the floor. It's that funny. And he didn't, and now I'm sad, and I'm going to complain about it on the internet. You know, that's what people <laughs> do these days. Not personally. You complain on the internet. No, I don't. I explain to people why they're wrong. There's a difference. (laughs) I see. I do it very rarely, but occasionally I'll pick a fight or two. It depends. I have to have the right button push to pick a fight on the internet because I don't have the patience. I once had a really long one with a Holocaust denier. I just had to. Well, that that you have to pick a fight with. I was bored. Uh, uh, Other things. Um, The Destiny soundtrack is supposed to get previewed. For the Destiny... Forget it, dude. It's a yeah, guy that's a huge hard-on for this game that's yeah, not even well, out yet. Forget about the game. The music. Bungie with their original team and Paul McCartney. This is their new... Oh, come on. This mm-hmm. is their new IP. This is Bungie. the new Halo. These are the people who used to do Halo are doing a brand new game for the new Xbox coming out this the end of this year. Um, I don't care who you are. That's, that's gonna be I did want to bring up just... T- because, honestly, I don't know these soundtracks... Because, A, they were not... Okay, to help prove your point about how it may not be as memorable or standout-ish. Like I said, I still enjoyed the soundtrack. I'm keeping it at three because, for me, it was average. Clearly, you guys weren't... Enjoyed it as much as I did. Fine. That's difference in tastes at this point, among other things. But but our composer who did the, the Pacific Rim soundtrack also has done composing for Game of Thrones, which I have not seen, so I can't speak to. Prison Break, which I also have not seen, so I can't speak to. And Iron Man. All I remember about the first Iron Man movie is that AC Dis- DC did half the soundtrack. Let's we'll segue over to John here. He's seen Game of Thrones. I'm pretty sure the only thing that's musical in Game of Thrones, because I don't watch Game of Thrones for the music, I watch it for the awesomeness of the acting. The only thing I could think of musically is the opening scene, which, yeah, has a great musical aspect, but it's set for the era. It's only f- orchestral. There's no technology that nothing that gets plugged in. It's an interesting point because that would be the 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 uh, the tell all as to whether the composer himself is is keen on writing this kind of stuff or whether he was really put into a box uh, with a constraint specific rim. I mean, it could be. I mean, again, we all agree that the movie is not an amazing movie. It was fun. It served its purpose as a blockbuster. So writing a, 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 a soundtrack for that will limit you. I, Especially I like, if he wrote it after the movie was created. I like explosions and monsters roaring at each other and missiles going off and, you know, the hero getting the girl at the end, which, spoilers, doesn't happen. Well, um, we don't know no, if it happens. It my, happen. my point is for Game of Thrones, which is, well, I haven't I seen it yet, see you people, haven't seen it, but John has seen it and most people agree that it's a it's pretty a drama, well done heavy, show. Heavy yeah. drama based on a heavy, heavy dramatic fantasy novel yeah. series. It's it's that to a T. So clearly you got a lot to work with as a composer. Right. But there's no to. music. So he might have just composed hardly, the main hardly, theme. Hardly music I could think of. Huh. Interesting. 
maybe this composer just creates content for what he's within and blends in the back like maybe that's what he creates he likes to blend into the background or become yeah. this is this brings me back to that 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 comment i composers tend to get shafted because there's just there's so much money that goes into these major blockbuster films the kind that you know change films as we know it for the next 10 20 years uh the star wars and the Jurassic Parkians, that kind of th- stuff. Even the first Matrix, yeah. which changed a lot of. There's only so few people who could actually tie themselves or attach themselves yeah. to that could get lucky enough to get that break. The rest of them are done doing what you might as well consider gigs <laughs> for well, for composers. When you're talking music, there's also the big part that unless it's supposed to be truly groundbreaking. Hmm. You rarely get original scores. Instead, you've primarily a lot of, uh, with the exception of children's movies, if if it's going to be funny, it's going to have a lot of music that on the radio or has been on the radio. It's going to be songs. True. You won't get scores. True. Kids' movies tend to actually have scores more often than your standard adult movies in the same genre. There is also that notion, though, that uh, you know there are no. There are no small, um, small roles, just small actors. Right. So, so you're you can, saying there's no small movies, just small composers? <laughs> Conceivably, I'm saying I leave the possibility open that if you're good enough, you could perhaps, and I can, I'm sure that I could think of certain instances where I wasn't as drawn into the plot or may not have been drawn into the plot, but I was drawn into the aesthetic that the music created enough to enjoy. Well, I mean, look at, look at. While I could probably not remember any other song in that movie, the main theme of Terminator 2 is so permeated in pop culture, and it's so standout-ish. When you hear that, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Right, but that's not the kind of case I'm talking about, because the movie itself is indeed awesome. I'm saying a case where a movie itself may very well have been mediocre if it was not for the music. Ah, Jurassic Park. To Uh, be honest, um, most of that movie would have been mediocre and kind of boring. I mean, I like the book. That's, not a, but that's not a bad example. Right, that's not a bad example. It's kind of museum. We take, that's, museum. that's a perfect uh, example. Museum. We take for granted that Jurassic Park would have been is always an awesome. Yeah, that's film sweeping because, of course, score. It is the sweep. It is the quintessential dinosaur dun, film. Dun, yeah. dun, we had never had. Who composed that? Do we know? John Williams. It was John Williams. Okay, I couldn't remember. I said it before. He kind of got a gleam in his eye that I thought he was. You were gonna get zapped by lasers. No, but think about it. Like most of the movie is just—it's a museum. They're just looking at stuff until everything goes wrong. I still think it was well. I still think the acting was good. The acting. But yes, I do admit that if you took, it's not. What kind of dinosaur is that? Uh. Uh, a gala, a gala minus. <laughs> look at them, like a flock. <laughs> They're flocking this way. I love that movie. <laughs> Great stuff. But it's, the, but it's the book funny. is so much better. No. Oh, wrong. Sorry. Book was not funny. The book was better though. They watered down the content for the movie. Anyway, well, um, it's it's no, it's a it's a very good point because I I accept it. We take for granted that the movie would just generally have been awesome, but that's because we have never known the movie without that music. soundtrack. I mean, to say but I picture it now, and I think you're right. I we would not get that majesty of yeah, prehistoric but, times. But do you think? No way. But do you think? First of all, Star Wars: The Original, A New Hope, was this kind of underdog movie. Nobody thought it was going to be anything. People were crapping on it before it hit theaters. Yet. 
it had this huge, powerful score. Do you think Star Wars has been half as powerful without that score? Yes, because of several aspects. No, no, several, no. several innovative aspects in its technology would have uh, its, its special effects would have cemented it. But, but the not epic, necessarily as the greatest movie of all time or whatever. But the epicness that you feel in that movie, especially in moments when Luke is looking over the desert, without that music, would have not had been half as impactful. I feel. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of between you on this. Uh, I, I agree with that. Matt, but on the same hand, John I makes a good Vader point. Could there were other done... things okay. besides the music. But I think that the movie still brought it to that next level. Yes, especially and New Hope. The, like we all agree that the acting wasn't wasn't superb, but it fit it fit what was being know, made. Yeah. It was also very well. Personally, written. I felt that the inflection that Chewie used to do his lines weren't as convincing. As uh, I no, no, no. I, it also has a lot of yeah, iconic <laughs> dialogue. Oh yeah, that's it's a big quoted thing. the most. It's 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 but it's. It, hokey religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster by a side kid. Like, that... It's no, yeah, that, okay. yeah, dialogue. The, the dialogue, dialogue is great. Is well, solid. also, it's the delivery of the dialogue. Like, what's going on up there? Oh, everything's fine. We're all fine here this now. This is all fine. How, How are, are you? you? <laughs> like, it's mostly Harrison Ford's awesome. Um, which he's coming out. All right, and, so I think, I think what... Ender's Game's coming. Ender Game. Ender's Game. He's in there. I'm yeah. not so. I mean, it looks cool, but I never read the book, so. I I, I mean, the you, movie you're looks gonna cool. want to read the Ender's Game and Ender's Shadow, which is a book that parallels Ender's Game. Yeah, Here's the big question: Could it become an example that is not composed by John Williams? <laughs> yes, The Matrix. The Matrix would have stank if it didn't actually have such a grungy. Yeah, but it didn't have a. It metal. didn't have a score. Yeah, it had, it had a soundtrack. Yeah, no. If if it had not been properly put together, with there that was music, there, that was a mix. It would have. Stayed. I mean, it was, was a mix. Was, there, was a mix. there was a mix because the theme of the movie and at the end when he flies off is Rage Against the Machine. Wake up! That song, which kind of brought Rage to that next level. Rage was big. But it then, has its but... original composed pieces as well. That's right. And that muse, that movie was very well done. I was thinking about it when we were discussing Star Wars. The moment, for instance, when well, when, because uh, it's on another movie. Just picture the sound when Neo finally. Really Realizes he is the one. Yeah. He finally stops the bullets for the very yeah. first time at the very end. The soundtrack in the background there—that yeah. is pure composed material. No, yeah, part yeah. of the score. But also, Matrix, I know kung fu. But that, but <laughs> Matrix is also one of those movies. Even though its predecessors failed on this, that movie changed movies for the next ten years. Man. That was one of the first big budget movies to have the spinning camera, which then showed up everywhere after that in video games and movies. That's my argument as to why Star Wars would have been. That okay, that's okay. true in many ways. That's that's the, that's the uh, analogous point for, mm, but for then filmography. With, but that's with, when filmography decides to take a stand. Like, oh, let's lose. Oh. Let's use every trope in the book. But but that's also Jurassic Park was the first movie to have such massive scale special effects with those dinosaurs. That was the first time you'd yes, really seen that. But and those animatronics. Aside from the terror part, it was boring. It's a lot of science in that movie. That's not meant really for mainstream. It's a lot of hard science. Or mm. mostly hard science. Uh, what's it called? And no shaving. one movie... No yeah, movie. No, it's true. Not like super mainstream. I mean, I don't mean to give the uh, public so little credit, but eh, what, whatever, I will. <laughs> uh, especially the part, for instance, when they were brought, got, into, brought into the lab. And I got the, two more. The video. I don't remember who composed them. I, well, I know John Williams didn't compose one, but he might have done the other. First, Nightmare. Nightmare on Elm Street. Street. Uh, no, not Elm Street. Nightmare Before Christmas. Would have been nothing without its music. That's, well, Danny, it was that's a, Danny Elfman. But it was a musical. It was a musical. They sang the if, songs. No, but it, had scenes. they done it as just a straight claymation movie, 
it would have been nothing. Because <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, but you I'm, can't I'm do that. On this. Okay. It's a musical. Mu- musicals you can't do that. need Fine. music. Fine. Apollo thirteen. I don't remember any of the music from Apollo thirteen. I think I'm with Matt in that too. Yeah, that was not as memorable. Really? Yeah. Sorry. Not personally. Nope. Oh. Got nothing from. Maybe that. it's just me. Yeah. I think on that one. In fact, I I, I, I more remember that. the silence of them contemplating their p- potential death in space. Yeah. That's actually was the most uh, emotionally gripping part. Okay. Music was me. Oh well, tastes, you know. Yeah, I that. think I think soundtrack I think soundtracks are a lot more heavily weighted on taste also because a you have to like the movie. Odds of you liking a soundtrack and not like not liking the movie but liking the soundtrack is slim. And then on top of that, like I think soundtracks and mu- I think are very ingrained in taste. I think there's a, a severe aspect of need in action and disaster movies for a solid soundtrack because there's always going to be scenes where dialogue is not there that they need something to propagate the story. That's true. I guess it depends on the specific kind of action, but yes, as a rule of thumb, that's well, a good Well, I have a movie that would have been good, that probably would have been good without its soundtrack, but not as good. Okay. Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Yeah, no, would not have been as good without with, with the... Yeah, I disagree with that. Yeah, you think so? You're, you're talking about Batman here. I, I feel like you could, you, you could never make it that dark. You can never make Batman without that was a Dark Knight ominous with tones. the music is about as dark uh, as it gets. You true. need an organ. No, you're right. I'll, I'll, or something I'll, like that. You need I'll something to bring back. it back to the comic book idea. I'll, I'll step back. You're right. No, you're right. Anyway, uh, okay. We're going long here. Yeah, so. we've got, I don't think we've got really much more to say on this aspect. So before we get into next week, why don't you read our spam of the week, Steve? Very well. Google is probably the most popular things around the internet. Google dominates the field of engines like Google. By Seekamize. Wow. I'm blown away. So next week we're going to be doing Less Than Jake and their newest album that came back. Uh, less Than Jake? Not Less Than Jake, uh, Jimmy Eat World. Damn. Not the same thing or even close. Yeah, so no. next week you've we're, lost the... I'm, you've I'm lost picking Jimmy John, Eat World. John has picked Jimmy Eat World's new record, Damage. I'm also Don't pretty big... Ask. Jimmy Eat World fan. Their last record was very good. Jimmy Eat World actually, as a band, has gone through an interesting evolution. They were kind of more just rock, kind of heavy rock, and then they kind of moved into a pop rock kind of thing. I don't even know why a Freudian slip that one. How is it even a Freudian slip? Yeah, I know. Oh, I can't with you. Anyway, Jimmy Eat World. Um, Okay, I'm giving Steve the, the knowledge right now. I'm expecting pop. Yeah, they're a pop rock band. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I'm right up front. So if it's all pop and you're all like... I mean, you know Jimmy Eat World. You've heard the middle and, the, and sweetness. You know those songs. I'm sure I Are have. you listening? No. <laughs> You'd know the middle. It's in rock band. You've Not played from John. It. No, yeah. If you listen to the sweetness or the middle, you'd know those songs. They were probably their biggest singles, like Billboard-wise. But they're a band that have been consistently good. Some albums are great. Some albums are just okay. But but they've been consistently good there. I haven't really ever heard a bad song by them. Uh, I haven't heard we, a bad album. Yeah, so that's a nice bass line. But so we're just we're gonna get something lighthearted where no it's opinion. gonna be me and Matt against you. You're welcome. You don't know that. He might like it, who knows? I'll pull a Matt. Who knows? You know what I like. Me, 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 me. I do know what you like. I do. Because you've told me at length. 
Anyway. It's true. <laughs> and on that note. I make a point, did. People do. Music is life. And, and life, life is, is good. good.